0: sure is worthy of adoration. Amen. I'm going to ask you to open your Bible with me, if you would, to uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. John read verses 25 through verse 38. In this passage, we find Simeon and Anna... Two elders, two senior saints, if you will, two a little bit older than many of us in the room. She's uh, 84 years old and we're going to spend a little time uh, this morning. Um, I knew we were going to be in Luke chapter 2. I really didn't know we were going to be in Luke chapter 2 looking at uh, Simeon and Anna. Um, But as I was studying this, I realized, well, I'll show you what I realized here in just a moment. But what I want to do is I really want to set the context. Um, More and more and more, I'm becoming aware of the need for just more of the Word of God in our church family. Um, The Word of God is all by itself quick and powerful. I find that public reading of a number of verses or a long passage, for some reason, seems to be difficult for people, meaning people don't like to sit and listen for an extended period of time to the Word of God, which I think is a problem, Um, since the Word of God is the Word of God. um, People can sit for 50 minutes and watch uh, a television show, uh, but to listen to the Word of God for any period of time is hard for for people. Let's listen to it together. I'll try to read it. One, I'll try to read it um, in in a way that's not boring, and two, I'll try to read it accurately. Um, One of the things that I find more and more with my eyesight my wife said that I, um, I quote large passages of scripture now when I read them, and if I know them well, I quote them accurately. If I don't, I read them as if I thought they were written. And uh, so, if if that's true, if that happens while I'm reading, just recognize I'm sorry. I'm not trying to to uh, to do that. And it came to pass, chapter two, verse one. And it came to pass in those days. Now, we just saw in verse 80, and the child grew and waxed uh, strong in spirit, and was, uh, this is John the Baptist we see in verse 80. So John the Baptist has been born, the forerunner to Christ, and now it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one, into his own city. Now, I'm going to stop here for just a moment. One of the things that I believe is misunderstood in the world in which we live is that governments move at the will of God. Uh, this taxing, how many people suppose that the taxing that was done in Syria first Everybody thought that was a great idea. How many people that you think lived in Syria thought, what a great idea that we would all go to our home city and there we would pay taxes? That's a super idea. How many of you think that was was popular? Probably not anybody. But what's interesting is once other countries found out how valuable it was to tax a large, listen, you get a census and money at the same time. It's a win-win for government, right? And so what they said was, hey, let's do that. And so that's what you're seeing here. What you're seeing is that which was started somewhere else for selfish reasons being done now, again, for seemingly selfish reasons, but it is necessary that Jesus be born where? In Bethlehem. And so how are we going to get him there? And the answer is we're going to send him to the city that he needs to go to so that his father and mother can be in the census and be taxed and he'll be born while he's there. Amen? You and I both need to lay hold of the fact that God is sovereignly ruling around us all of the time. It is, it is a mistake for us to try to wrestle away what we consider to be difficulty or things that we don't want. It really is. Instead, we can walk with God in peace and joy knowing that my Father, our Father, ruleth over all of these things. And that before it came into my life, it went through His will first. Amen. Joseph also, this is verse 4, went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I think about this as we read this. I can still hear um, um, Chris's son... um, No. Mikey. Mikey, Mikey, saying to his dad as he... He was the innkeeper's son, and in case you didn't know through all of the disguises that they were wearing, uh, um, Chris Cromwell's son (coughs) said at the end... What does he say at the end? Does everybody remember? But dad what about the Christ? But dad, what about the Christ? Right? See, there was no room because they had no money. They're poor people. And, and the city is full of people. And There's no room. If you, I promise you, if you were wealthy, you could have found a room. But there's no room for Jesus. Now, I've heard many, many messages. We just sang a song with that very theme in it. There's no room. Is there room in your heart for this Jesus, but the question, this is really the question. What about Jesus? What about the Christ? Now I want you to see this in its context. There's no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The reason I emphasize the them is God could have made this announcement to anybody. God could have gone anywhere to anyone and made this announcement. And he went and made this announcement to shepherds who are abiding in the field doing very menial work. And God goes and tells them of the great shepherd that's going to come and rescue us. They're sore, sore afraid. You would have been too. Don't get too proud about what you would have done in that situation. And the angel said unto them, fear not, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to who? All people. For unto you, all people, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. What a mouthful that is. Born today for all of you is a Savior, and he is the Christ, and he is the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And what an absurd idea this seems like to us. Amen? Here, how, here's the sign where you'll go and find the Savior, the Christ, the promised Messiah, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. You'll find him sleeping in a trough. In a barn, wrapped in swaddling clothes. What a remarkable, remarkable, humbling truth. This humility, this humility on the, on, on the part of our God. This is his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. I'll tell you right now, if, uh, if any of my children had been born and they said, well, why don't we just wrap them in these these, just use cloth over here and we'll just put them in this trough. Will that be all right with you? No, that won't be all right with me. No, I don't think we'll do that. I don't think we'll do that. And yeah, see, here's the thing. Christ is going to go to the cross For us. And it's a great thing that Christ is going to go to the cross for us, but it is just as great a thing. In fact, I would say it's a far deeper step to begin with that He's going to come to earth at all. That He's going to, that eternity, that the one that created everything, the stars, everything, the one that flung the stars into space, is going to surrender His hands to the nails later. And he's going to come and be born in this earth. And the father, the one who has been with this one, they have been together for all of eternity. And you have no idea what that means. And I have no idea what that means. And he's going to let him sleep in a trough. And suddenly (laughs) and immediately, as soon as the announcement is made, there uh, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Let me just say this. The greatest glory that our God receives is when one of us receives this goodwill that he wants for us. God is glorified when we repent, when we turn from our own selfishness, when we turn from our own desire And we simply acknowledge that he loves us so much that he came to rescue us from us. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What a tremendous combination. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even to Bethlehem. By the way, if you were in Sunday school here this morning, uh, this question is going to be asked later. The question is going to be asked later. By the wise men who are going to come from the east where is the one that was born king of the jews and and the scribes and pharisees are going to answer the question and saying in bethlehem in bethlehem but they don't go and it's only five miles from where they are to go there and they're not going to go but the shepherds as soon as they hear the announcement let's go see this amen let's go see this and it says it came to pass as the angels were gone they said let's go And see this which shall come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the babe doing what? Lying in a manger. Exactly, this is the sign, this is where you'll find him, and here he is. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it had been told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said of the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now I want to stop here for just a moment. This is not the only offering that you can give. When you bring your child, the firstborn son, the first child being a a son, he's he's presented to the Lord. He is given to the Lord and a sacrifice is given to the Lord on his behalf. And it could be a far greater sacrifice than this. This is the poorest sacrifice. This sacrifice that Mary and Joseph are going to give expresses why they had no place to sleep when they got uh, to town because they have no money. This is the common person offering. This is not a king's offering. This is not even a prince's offering. This is the common person's offering. How remarkable. Honestly, think about it. The king of kings and lord of lords, the God that made all of this for his offering to young pigeons. Now, this is where I want you to see, starting in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. By the way, Simeon, good name. Uh, the Marians are out of town, but if they were here, Simon is home from college. and John, uh, His name's Simon, and John Crabb calls him Simeon. And when he says, actually, my name is Simon, John Crabb says, no, it's Simeon. And that's just what he calls him. His name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Now I want to stop here. I want to just read this for just a moment. I want to go back and just look at a couple of words I think you'll find important. The first thing I want you to notice is is a little bit about the man. It says, the same man was just and devout. Now, the word just simply means that he did that which was right. Now, look up here for a moment. We're not saved by our works, but we are continually given choices. We can either do that which is right, or we can do that which is not right. This man chose to do that which was right. This man chose to do that which God would have him to do. He chose to love his fellow man. He chose to uh, live according to the uh, way God would have us to, to take care of one another, to live with one another. He's doing the things that God would have him to do and that's wonderful. But I think what matters just as much and probably more than that is the second and that is this, he is just and devout. Now look up, please look up here. Do you ever have or do you daily have a time in your life when you get alone and open the bible do you have that kind of a thing now here's the thing there are bible reading plans and if you use a bible reading plan and many people do use a bible reading plan so that they can read through their bible every year then you will spend 20-ish 25 to 30 minutes reading through parts of your bible every day so that you can do this. But this is not what it says he did. It says he was just and devout. Now, the word devout, the, the, the actual word, the Greek word behind this, actually means to draw close to, is the idea. To draw close to. So here's what, listen, but hear me. Because this man is going to be told some really wonderful things. This, this person is going to... Simeon is going to have an opportunity. I, 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 this, as I said, as I was studying and I saw this, really saw it probably for the first time, it just overwhelmed me for some reason. I, you know, one of, When I first realized Jesus standing at the well in the middle of the heat of the day, literally at noon, in the heat of the day, having walked into Samaria... And he's sitting there all by himself, and this woman is walking up all by herself because she's an outcast of the outcast, and she's walking up to get her water, and she's walking towards Jesus, and, she, and he sees her walking. The first time I realized in my mind that he's here just for her. He's done all of this just for her. What an awesome, awesome, it just really flooded over me and overwhelmed me to realize that God saves every one of us just for us. Personally, God comes and meets us where we are. Why? Why would God come and meet us where we are? And this week as I was studying this, I realized that God said to Simeon, go into the temple now. Now. Remember when I promised you that you were not going to die until you got to see the Christ? Man, when you talk about a quiet time, huh? You talk about a time of devotions. You talk about a good time of prayer and in the word of God. You're having your quiet time, your devotions. And God Almighty says to you, you're not going to die until you see the Christ. You're going to get to see the Messiah. You might, you're, you might be just a little Pentecostal for a moment. Amen? You might run around and shout for just a minute. And in this day, on this day, in his devout time, in his time of devotion, in his time of worship. See, God doesn't want us to just open our Bibles. God wants us to open our Bibles and meet with him. Amen. And in this day of meeting with God, Simeon was told by God, today's the day. Today's the day. Go to the temple. And Simeon is in the temple. And Mary and Joseph are going to walk in carrying a less than two week old Jesus and he's going to see him and say that's the christ can you can you just do that for can you stand in the temple for just, i mean just think about this what is the purpose of the temple right all just think about all of the blood that has been shed year after year after year after year after year all of the services that have taken place year after year after year after year, after year. and every single bit of the purpose of all that is pointing to this one right here this, yeah, who's carried into the building as a baby. Yeah, man, it's wonderful, isn't it? Listen, tomorrow morning, when we get up tomorrow morning, maybe think about that for a minute. All, all that's ever been done, and, and someone who simply wants to do the right thing and who's willing to spend time with God, God was willing to tell him, look, go hang out in the temple today because today the Christ is coming into the temple. And you're going to get to see him. Isn't that amazing? Man. So he took him up, right? Verse 28. Then he took him up in his hands, excuse me, in his arms. <laughs> now, I'm, 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 I don't know. I mean, again, this is one of those things. I'm walking, uh, well, I walk into church with my, with my child. And some guy says to me, let me hold your son. No way, dude. Right. <laughs> right. I'm not just handing you this child. Right. I don't know you. And yet here. Listen, I mean, pastors get a chance to see some really wonderful things, some things that you're very aware Boy, I shouldn't be here now. It goes from really difficult to really wonderful. And you're suddenly aware this is something the family alone should be a part of. And yet you get to be there often to see just remarkable things. And here's here's Simeon with Mary and Joseph as they come to dedicate their son, who is the Christ, by the way. And here comes a man who gets to be there. Why? Simply, listen, this is so important, simply because he chose to walk with God and spend time in the Word of God with God, if you understand what I'm saying. What a wonderful truth. He took him him and raised him in his arms and blessed him and said, notice what he says. This is, this is a wonderful thing. Lord, now let us, thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Amen? What is he saying? Listen, what is he saying? I need a tissue. I apologize. I have a cold. That is really part of it, honestly. what is he saying? What is he saying? I can die. I can die. Yes? I can die. Let me tell you something. Here, please hear me. Until you've met the Christ, you can't die. Until you've met the Christ, you can't die. It is significant. This is a significant truth. I'm not going to preach this that way this morning, but this is a significant truth. Until you have met the Christ personally until you have been made one with the Christ who came to take away your sin you are not ready to die but from the moment that that's true for you you can die amen the thief could die on the cross having done how many good works and the answer is zero why because he had met the Christ Yes, and I'm not tying, saying because he died beside him, because the other thief died beside him, but he never received the Christ. He never met the Christ, if you understand what I'm saying. This matters right here. And this man says, you told me that I would not die until I saw the Christ. And here's the funny thing, and I'm ready to die, right? What was, so what was he looking forward to? What was he looking forward to? And the answer is what? This, this. Right, not the not not the next pixel, right? Not the next iPhone, not the next car of this kind, not the next fashion, not the next anything. He just wanted to be Christ, and he met the Christ. Now he can die. That's wonderful. Now let's, let's let's see what he says about him. For my eyes have this is what he said about him in verse thirty. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. God wants everyone to know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is a light to lighten the Gentiles, good for us, and he is the glory of thy people Israel. Now, this is a remarkable truth. He is the glory of a group of people who are largely going to reject him. And yet he is the glory of that group of people. He is the glory, that's what it says, right? The glory of thy people Israel now, and Joseph and his mother marvelled at those things which were spoken of them. Of, excuse me, of him, and and Simeon blessed them. And then he spoke to Mary, and he said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall. Notice, it's the fall first, not the rise and then the fall. It's the fall and then the rise. This child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Speaking about his first coming right now. He's speaking about what they're going to do. They are going to reject this sign, and they are going to fall as a result of it. Now they are going to rise again later when they see him whom they have pierced. When they realize that Jesus of Nazareth is indeed the Christ Far later in their history, they're going to receive him. And what a wonderful day that will be. And then that which was taken out will be grafted back in. Amen? But we, we right now are living in a time when Israel has been taken out, removed. And who's been grafted in? We have been. We, the Gentiles, we, the wild branch, have been put in. And praise God for that. A light unto the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. And then he goes on and say in verse 35... Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What's he, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? See, Jesus is going to be crucified. He's going to be plunged. He's going to have a spear stabbed into him, right? But what's Mary going? Mary's going to be there, right? She's going to be there. She's going to watch her son die for us and how's she going to feel when this happens, right? We don't have to wonder what she goes through when this happens. We see it right here. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. Now listen to this, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Man, their rejection is made complete and Mary has to share in the misery while they're doing it. Please look here. You have, never gone, you have never gone through a sorrow that God has not gone through with you. Never. But God allows you and I to go through these sorrows so that we may have an understanding of what it is that God is actually doing. This is a marvelous thing. Now, I, want to, I, want, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to go back for just a moment. I want you to remember When God comes to Mary, because God comes to Mary, before Mary is going to be the one to have Jesus as a baby, God is going to come to her and say, is it okay if I do this? Is it okay if I use your body to give you a baby that's going to cause everybody to think that you had an illegitimate relationship and is going to speak lowly of you and your firstborn son? And they did, by the way, for this very reason, forever. Is that okay with you? And what is their answer going to be? Yeah. Lord, let it be unto thy handmaid according to your will, whatever you want. Mary, listen, Mary's life was not made easy because she bore Jesus. Mary's life was not made glorious because she bore Jesus. And by the way, poor Mary has been used by false religion as an idol because she bore Jesus. Amen? And yet, and yet, The Bible says, blessed art thou. She is a blessed woman. She is a woman who is, listen, not only willing to suffer the shame associated with having a child out of wedlock, she is willing to watch her son, who is God the son, die on a cross to save us from our sins, amen? And by the way, you talk about what a wonderful, what a perfect son he is. Before he lays down his life, he says to John, John, he says to John, John, take care of my mom. Right? Mom, John's going to take care of you. He just promised to take care of you. What a wonderful, wonderful truth. (laughs) Verse 36 says, and there was one Anna. So here's the thing. So there's this guy, Simeon. We just saw a great deal about him. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, right? So here is a woman who God uses to tell others about the goodness of God. She's a daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She's of great age. She was of great age. That's what she said. You know, I guess, it, I mean, is that like the politically correct way to say it? Right? Oh, hello, one of great age. Amen. I have a tendency to call almost every woman young lady. And as I said, I've only had one person ever get upset when I did that. Uh, and it was an older woman. Quite, she was of great age, this woman that I did that. And I said, hello, young lady. And she said, I'm not young. And I said, oh. I said, well, you wouldn't want me to call you old lady. And she said, well, that's just rude. And I said... And I said, have a nice day. <laughs> I'm sorry I got that started. So she's of great age. Now what we're going to find out about this woman is this. We're going to find out a similar thing about her that we found out about Simeon. And that is this. She just lived her life in a simple, clean way. Right? She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. So that's 84 years old which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. So she is devoted. Listen, she has the same level of devotion. Listen here, please listen. This is really important. She has the same level of devotion that Simeon has. And guess what? She has the same reward that Simeon has because she knows also who the Christ is. Notice what it says. And she... Coming in, verse 38, that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So here's what she, this is is wonderful. Now listen, please hear me. Ladies, young ladies, hear this. She came in, she saw the Christ, she worshiped him in the same way that Simeon had, and then what does she do? What does it say she did? She went out and, preached Christ everywhere. She went out and testified to the Christ everywhere. She went out and told everyone she is a prophetess. She is someone that God used to set, to speak forth the truth of God, right? Now we recognize the Bible is clear that a, that a woman is not to be a bishop, but that doesn't mean she can't preach the gospel. That doesn't mean she can't proclaim the gospel. That doesn't mean she can't be used of God to go and tell everybody about the Christ, amen? And here's a woman, eighty four years old, and she leaves the temple to go do what? To tell people about Jesus. Yes? Is that what it says? This is the last verse we're going to read. The the last verse here we're going to read. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She went and told those that were looking for the Christ who were waiting for the Messiah, he's here, he's here. He's a baby right now, the Messiah's here. What a marvelous truth. Again, tomorrow morning we're going to get up. Pick some passage in your Bible to read with your family. Okay? Find, Listen, find more from the Bible than from the wrapped gifts. Please, please, please. For your sake, for your family's sake, find more in the Word of God, in the God of the Word, than in the gifts under the tree. There's nothing wrong. I mean, we give the gifts because God gave this gift. That's the whole idea behind this. But I'm telling you, it is so easy for us to become me, me, me centric. Yes? No? Maybe it's just me. It's not just me. It's so easy for us to become me, me, me centric. Now, what I want to do, we're almost done. But what I want to do is I want to go back to just one thing. And this is what is it says that Simeon is waiting for something. Go back to verse 25. I want you to see this with me. This is such a remarkable truth. Simeon's waiting for something, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it, and then you're gonna tell me what it is he's waiting for. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Okay, now, here's a test time, right? One, it's a one-question test. And it's open book. What is he waiting for? And you should be able to just, you don't have to guess. Because you can actually, you know, uh, I have, a, I have a, a counseling time. And any, the study, who is Christ, what is faith, what is life, right? Many of us have done in the book of John. Who is Christ, what is faith, what is life? Right now I'm doing counseling with someone. And we're studying through the book of John together. Who is Christ, what is faith, what is life? And you know how she does it? She doesn't answer the question. She literally writes the verses exactly as they're written. You want to know why? Because there's no arguing with that, right? Who is Christ? And she wrote a verse that tells us who the Christ is. Every chapter, like five or six verses for this, five or six verses for this, five or six verses for this. So here's what, here's what I'm saying. If you want to answer this question correctly, just read what it says. And let me say this, by the way, if you're going to preach and teach the Bible, don't take the words in here and make them cute and clever and rearrange them for yourself. God doesn't need you to have three T's or three W's or three X's. He doesn't need you to do that because he's got a better vocabulary than you do. And these are the words that he chose in the English language. We should use them. Amen. So what is he looking for? What is it? Okay, that was good. You you guys mumbled that together really well. The (laughs) consolation of Israel. Now, okay, now, if we want to go to to step two of this, anybody want to tackle what that means? What is the consolation of Israel? And all of you that have ever been to kindergarten, Sunday school, know the answer. Jesus, right? The consolation of Israel is Jesus. You can't go wrong, right? Just say Jesus, and the teacher's going to say, very good, right? Because he is the consolation of Israel. But what does that mean? Now, by the way, let me show you this before I show you that. It says he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the word waiting is the same idea as the word hope. So he has an expectation. He knows it's going to happen. Why? Because it was promised to him that he would see the Christ before he died. So with expectation every day, this could be the day I meet Christ. This could be the day I meet Christ. But he doesn't just call him Christ. He calls him what? The consolation of Israel. And here's the key to this. And you should do this yourself when you get home. When you get home... Find some Bible program and touch this word, right? Or click on this word, however you do it, so that, a, so that a Greek dictionary opens up and it shows you. And what you'll find is this word comes from a word which is literally um, parakaleo, parakaleo. Now listen, please don't roll your eyes and go to sleep. This really matters. Parakaleo is a compound Greek word. Para has the idea, para church, right? Alongside, right? right? Parachute. I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure what that means. I guess you just hope that parachute is alongside you as you're coming down, right? Para, right? The idea is something that's alongside. Kaleo is the word for call, okay? To, to, to yell out, to call out, okay? So para kaleo is is translated beseech in your Bible right? I beseech you to do something. What does that mean when you beseech somebody? I call out to you to come close to me and we'll do this together. That's the idea. Parakaleo is, I tell you, I'm not begging you. There is a word for begging that's also translated beseech, but most of the time when you see the word beseech in your New Testament, what it's saying is this, I call out to you, come walk with me and we'll do this together. And it's typically done by Jesus to us or by a person who's discipling somebody else. Listen, I'm not asking you to go Walk this way. I'm asking you to come walk this way. We'll walk this way together. Amen? The Apostle Paul uses this word a great deal in his, in, in, the, in his teaching. Come, we'll walk together in the things of God. Praise God for that. That's what God wants for us all. This word, this word is very similar to that word. This word right here. It's also very similar. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 14. Just turn there quickly. We'll be done. The quicker you turn, the quicker we'll be done. After all, we're not having an evening service. So I technically have another 45 minutes worth of preaching, okay? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. John 14, 16. Jesus talking about leaving, going to heaven for us, but not leaving us alone. Because he said, and I will pray the Father that he shall give you another what? Comforter. And guess what that word is? It comes from Paraclete, right? The Holy Ghost is the paraclete. I know you guys have heard it in another sermon someplace. The Holy Ghost is the paraclete. Listen, what does that mean? This is what it means. God coming near to us. How near, by the way, inside? Amen, right? Greater than Emmanuel, better than God with us is God in us, praise God. And the ho- Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And God with us came to send God in us, amen? And here's the thing. This is so important. I never saw this before in my life. What God said to Simon, to Simeon, what he said to him is this. Listen, get ready for the Christ to come. The Christ is going to bring everyone who will be brought close to me, close to me. That's what this is going to do. And here, listen, here's how this is going to happen. In order for you and I, what separates us from God? Tell me. Sin. Sin separates us from God, right? Sin separates us from God. So Jesus is going to pay for our, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So Jesus is going to deal with our sin. And just as soon as our sin is dealt with, he's going to send forth what? The comforter, the paraclete. Why? Because now God is going to come and live within us. And so listen, so what is Simeon waiting for? That's what he's waiting for. Boy, how the church in America does not understand this. You and I, the promise of God is that we would be spiritual creatures instead of just fleshly creatures, amen? That's the promise. You wanna see that, by the way? Two passages and we'll be done. Go to John chapter three. John chapter three, quickly. John chapter three. John chapter three. Nicodemus, a highly religious man, right? a super-duper uh, doctor of the law. And I'm not joking when I say that. I'm not even trying to be clever or mean-spirited. A super-duper doctor of the law, right? And what happened? So let's look at it. Verse, I'm just going to read a couple of verses, and I'm, I'm going to read it, and you'll see it. There was a man of the Pharisees, right? So he's one of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and he is. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that's our first birth, and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, that's our first birth, is flesh. And that which is born of the what? Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Listen, look up here. This is the, here, please hear me. If If your Christianity is religion, get rid of it. Get rid of it. God wants to give you a new life. God wants you to have a spiritual life god you cannot work your way to heaven by going to church or doing churchy things you must be born again you must be born again and that second birth is what kind of a birth a spiritual birth what is what is simeon waiting for he's waiting for the christ who's going to bring what a spiritual birth yes this is the promise. I tell you, this is exciting to me. It's real. I, for the first time in my life, I've been saved since I was 22 years old, and I'm 30, no, 50, 53. I was 30 at one point. I'm 53 years. Old. I'll be 54 in just a little while. So, I, so, 50, so 54. So I will have been saved for 32 years in a little while. For, listen, hear me. I had some understanding of this. I could quote these things, but I never really realized the, the whole point of the spiritual life, the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the, the, the kind of a loving person that we should be, we don't have the power to do. The kind of kind person that we should be, we don't have the power to do. But praise God, the Holy Ghost does. And the promise of God in the Old Testament is I'm going to write my law in your mind and in your heart. Not simply that you would agree with it, you would want to do it. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Well, where does that come from? From the Holy Spirit. You must be born again, you must. You wanna see it again, let's go to the next chapter. We only need to look at it in two places and you'll, and you'll realize that it's everywhere. In John chapter four, go to John chapter four. Start in verse 19. John chapter four, verse 19. This is the woman at that well. This is that woman I spoke of earlier that Jesus came here just for her, right? And this is, right, Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. He's, he's way up here, yeah? Humanly speaking, way up here. And I mean this honestly. He is super-duper clean in his religion. Yes? Way up here. Can't go to heaven from way up here. Got to be saved. Got to be born again. Amen? The woman at the well is an outcast of of the outcast. She is a way down here. As far as we can tell, there's nobody lower. Now, I'm talking about humanly speaking. She comes to get her. She is a Samaritan And she has lived a very impure life. The Samaritans have cast her out. And the Samaritans are themselves castaways. So she is a castaway of the castaways. She's way down here. And Jesus is going to save her too. He's going to save Nicodemus way up here. And he's going to save this woman way down here. Amen? Why? Because that's what he does. Let's look at how he talks to her about it. The woman said in verse 19, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say, because he's a Hebrew, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, listen to this, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, meaning the Samaritans, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. And he's being honest, he's not being mean. We do know what we're doing. But, but, this is the key, but the hour cometh and now is when the true Worshippers shall worship the Father, what? In spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him, what? Must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, the next passage is well, we know the Messiah is coming, and He's going to say, yep, that's me, right? And He's going to save her. It's wonderful. But here's what I want you to notice the gift. I'm talking about the gift. I'm talking about tomorrow morning. I'm talking about Christmas Day. I'm talking about the gift. What is the gift? What is the gift? The gift is the Christ. Listen, the one who brings spiritual life. That's what it is. The one that brings the consolation of Israel. The one that brings the paraclete that can live within you. The one that can change your life. Tomorrow, tomorrow, when you get up, rejoice that the one that we celebrate brought with him complete salvation and a whole new life. Now let me end by saying this. If you don't have this salvation, please receive it. Really, truly, please receive it. God loves you and God wants to save you. He has the power to do so. He has the will to do so. He has the want to to do so. And He will to do that. He will do it. And if you're born again, are you walking in the Spirit If you're not walking in the Spirit, you're being cheated out of what God wants for you. If you're walking in your own strength, you have a very weak, selfish Christianity. And God wants to give you far better than that. Jesus came so that we could receive far better than that. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. And listen, who did God tell this to? This guy Simeon. Why did he show Simeon this? And the answer was because Simeon wanted to walk with God. You want to know what the Word of God says? Then open it. Open it. But don't open it to get through your Bible reading for the year. Open it to spend time with God. And be honest with God. And let God be honest with you. And He'll show you. He'll show you the Christ. He'll show you these wonderful things. He will teach us from His Word using the Spirit of God. And He will change us using that same Holy Spirit.